Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Chris Francis and Eli or Eli. Do you go by Eli or Elijah? I go by both. I'm a flexible guy. So. <laughs> well, I saw your pickup highlights that you that you sent to the group, and I, and I got to admit, you got some big man skills. You were throwing down some blocks. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, way to represent. <laughs> You know, the, the way to have the fastest jump is to have the shortest distance traveled as possible. So. <laughs> his, his second leap is more dangerous than his first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love That's it. Awesome. I, I actually, I love the production value of it, too. Yes, it was like had... a real mixtape. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and one world mixtape tour. Eli Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the breakdown, Chris. Give me the breakdown on Eli's Eli's big man skills. Oh man, are you kidding me? I mean, it, what I know it's it's no wasted motion. That's what I saw. No wasted motion at all. Absolutely not. Nice. That's very very true. Yeah. No. It was, For those I, that don't know, I'm a, I'm a I'm like a six in the Korean pickup basketball league. A six. What um, is a six? Well, no, because I'm a six foot three guy. Oh, that okay. makes me the biggest center in uh, in the league. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But the only other six foot three guy like played Division two ball and is a lot oh, more wow. athletic than me. So it's a little tougher when I when they make me guard him in space. <laughs> and he played guard in college, obviously, because he's really good. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it was just a fun three on three tournament with everyone having to be vaccinated and. We had this oh, guy man, who's I miss pickup in, ball. Yeah, he's uh he's in like he's a film major at Ohio State and he wanted to like shoot the event all day. So luckily oh, cool. I uh asked I'm good friends with his family, so I like felt the I had the authority to ask him to get a sneak peek of the clips I was in. And uh I actually made like all three of the highlights that I used for mine actually made the final like tournament highlights too. So Oh nice. Um, yeah, so it's good. like uh so I thought I played decent. My team did not have the greatest success um, because we were the only team without a sub. So oh, no. while I'm, I have good size, I also don't have a. It, it's a pro in the sense of rebounding, but a con <laughs> in the endurance department. For sure. Well, yeah. And plus, you guys have all had that that long COVID hangover. Um, I we're all a little less in shape than we'd like to be. I'm, I'm betting. I know I am. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, and speaking of long, this uh, Bucks uh, heat game is mercifully over this. Uh, I believe this was almost a three and a half hour game. 
Oh my goodness. Did what they time? even start it on time though? No, I guess they started it at seven, but they probably didn't tip off till seven fifteen. But still, oh it's wow, it's still it a three hour basketball hour? game. They started it, at seven. I, I oh, thought yeah, they did. Right. No, you're right. The, the third quarter was the longest third quarter I've ever seen in a basketball game. And oh my goodness, you know, Milwaukee ended up winning by thirty four, but you know, Miami just junked up the game in the entire second half, trying to get in fights and feels like they were trying mm-hmm. to get guys hurt. It was just ridiculous. It was one of the more embarrassing, you know, displays I've seen from a Heat team, which is saying mm-hmm. something for the <laughs> team that traded away Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard. So, <laughs> gamer word Leonard. Yeah. And and now we've got Denver and Portland tipping off and, you know, Canton's own CJ McCollum started off with a 3, so um, how, how much playoffs have you guys watched so far? Uh, I watched a lot yesterday. A lot yesterday. That yeah, was a fun a day yesterday. There's some really good absolutely, games. Absolutely. It was, it was definitely fun yesterday. Uh, caught a little bit of day one as well, but I mean, uh, to be honest, I wished I had seen, um, I wished I had seen the Dallas Clippers game as the one I missed. Yeah, and I missed that, that one too. Yeah. And then I, the, First game of Heat Bucks was so bad. I mean, you could tell they were both out of rhythm. It was a day game. Um, I forget who else played day one, but um, yeah, day two was day yesterday was great. And, was and great the play-in stuff. games um, were mostly good. I mean, at least in the West, yep. the East play-in games were pretty pretty oh, lackluster. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. the the Heat. Uh, Warriors or not the Heat? The Lakers Warriors game was great, and then the Warriors Grizzlies game was one of the funnest games I've seen in a long time. A really fun clash of styles, and definitely a coming out party for John Morant. And then they followed it up by knocking off the Jazz last night. And of course, you know Jazz fans are apoplectic now. And <laughs> and team was it you, Eli, that was tweeting about uh, uh. 2015 Atlanta vibes for for the Jazz. No, that was actually not me. I think oh, it was okay. Mike. I think it was Mike Schreiner. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty good comparison. Although I think a lot of that is an overreaction to yeah. the Jazz being super rusty from sitting off a week and not having Donovan not having Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you hear about the? Did you hear today that? Um, apparently Donovan Mitchell wanted to play and they wouldn't let him. And then he sent out a tweet saying, I can't talk about it. Um, I'm, you know, but stay tuned or something like that. I, I, I don't know if it was legit or anything. I don't know if any of this is legit, but I thought I saw this I come across. probably partially legit, but I also think Dallas kind of got cute and thought they could beat. Oh, Utah, you mean? Yeah. Or Utah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thought they could beat the Grizz without Mitchell, I and it kind of yep. backfired on him a little. Yep, um, yep. I, I, I could see that. Yep. Trying to buy. Although day. everybody not named Bogey was, you know, Bogdanovich was pretty terrible that game. Especially like Jordan Clarkson just totally disappeared that game, and Rudy yeah. obviously battling the foul trouble. And then of course, did you all see the the Rudy flop? <laughs> yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> what did they call him? The Eye Fall Tower. <laughs> oh my goodness! He oh basically my took a a very weak push 
from um oh slow mo Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson, yeah. yeah. Yep. Mr. Kristen Ludlow. And um <laughs> fell over <laughs> and just to try and draw some kind of ridiculous foul, so yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, the playoffs have been pretty fun so far. Obviously, had a lot of blowouts, but really close games. That that Knicks Hawks game yesterday was phenomenal, just from an almost full Madison Square Garden, and it was really fun to see the fans back. And of course, you know, the wrong team won when Trey Young got you know touch fouled to tie up the game with like a minute left and then of course hit the game winning floater. So, you know, if there's a team that need that, if that gives any team hope, it's the Cavs cause they are team floater. So, <laughs> so Eli, I was so hope? disappointed in that game. <laughs> oh, that, I, that were you they, rooting for the, the Knicks, Young Eli? Game. Well, it's, it's just like, you know, uh, going this whole season, we knew the Hawks were going to be better because if they didn't, the team was, you know, everything was aligned. They were barely over 500. They were forced, you know, mid, middle of the Eastern Conference because the conference was really weak this year. Mm-hmm. Trey Young was getting all these ludicrous foul calls all regular season. And the, the hope was that in the playoffs, it would, you know, tighten up. It, you could be more physical with him. And it, it was just a continuation of the regular season. Yeah. Like. And it wasn't that bad, but that foul with a minute left was just utterly ridiculous. And then they blew the call twice because. <laughs> Our old friend Tony Brothers refused to overrule the call, and I'm like, "Are are you serious? <laughs> that is just, nah." All I could think of was uh, Isaiah Thomas holding the Cavs out of bounds, and nobody calling it in that famous Boston series where oh, yeah. Kelly Olynyk ripped uh, Kevin Love's arm off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, see, to me, the thing about the the Hawks Knicks game, I mean. The disappearing act of uh, Julius Randle is really, to me, what the what the what the story was is that yeah, it, it didn't translate. You know, well, what he, he had hit done. a big shot towards the end, and I think you know, just having a bad game, not used to the playoff pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought the Knicks defense was really bad down the stretch too. I mean that yep. that floater that Trey got free for that was some abysmal defense. Uh, a bunch of Knicks fans in in chat were just saying that uh, putting in Frankie Smokes, um, <laughs> Frenchy Longarms. Yep, that's right. Uh, was a big mistake, and it, it, it certainly it, it, it like proved it. to be correct. Honestly, so yeah, he was just too cold. He was um, absolutely. You're right. He was yeah, a no rhythm. You can't just put him in for the last thirty seconds of the game. Yeah, well, yep. and it's not like it's not like he's Andre Iguodala out there. You know, some guy with this like this unbelievable defensive pedigree and a playoff experience. He's, he's never really done a dang thing in the league. So mm-hmm. he's it's young. not like he's I mean, deserved any kind of reputation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's young know and he's, he's, yeah. he's not versatile. Like he's, he's a good defender on the smaller guys, but it's not like he's some physically imposing guy that can guard. Yeah, out or just some super smart defender that always knows yeah. what plays coming and everything. Yeah. He's, he's no TJ McConnell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, yeah, no, it's been fun. And then, of course, that uh, – I didn't get to watch that. I watched some of the Phoenix game, but, you know, L.A. is in trouble. And <laughs> They can't see? beat a one-armed CP3, man. Well, wow. did you see all the L.A. fans photoshopping Andre Drummond onto the court? 
<laughs> so that he would get suspended when they had the big fight in that game. It's hilarious that Cavs fans are getting vindicated right now yeah. about Andre Drummond. It is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's so bad. Like, and Anthony Davis is, yeah, I mean, what a diva. <laughs> it's so great to see. Yeah. Well, the thing about the thing about Drummond is, I actually didn't expect him to be this bad. I, I actually expected him to play a bit better, but it has been a disaster. And and they keep on playing him, and it's completely ruined AD's uh, uh, around the basket game. Uh, I mean, there was a, a there was yeah. some I guess analysis done um, on the post game, and basically they, he couldn't get any shots around the rim. Uh, while Drummond was on the court, or so. or I, <laughs> LeBron driving, and then Drummond cuts to the basket and brings two guys with him <laughs> to LeBron. It's like just get out of his way. Yeah, it's it's a terrible fit, and it's a lot of what we talked about. You know, before the end of the regular season, sometimes these veterans that you sign uh, off the waiver wire after the buyouts, they you end up trying so hard to integrate them with your team on a short notice that you actually end up hurting your team on the overall. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and I think other people had a good point. Like, what's the playoff success that Drummond's had? Oh, absolutely. You know? like I don't think he's ever won a playoff game, has he? No. Has I'm, he? Yeah, you might be right, Eli. I think because they got just... swept the one time they were there. <laughs> he's just a guy that refuses to play a productive role. Like, his ideal role would be just a guy that does pick and roll. You know, he needs to lose 30 pounds, become a vertical threat, become a dive man, and just basically play in the dunker spot and get offensive rebounds and dive. But he thinks he's a post-up player, and he's just Mm -hmm. not. And until he... I I honestly would not be surprised if he wasn't even on a roster at the beginning of the season next year. Uh, I think he's that What a bad. fall. What a fall. Wow. Yeah. And wow. that is a great segue into talking about the Cavs. And what ails our favorite team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and the uh, where in the world is Kobe Altman right now? <laughs> As uh, um Controversy swirls around the team, and a lot of people are demanding answers. And what was it? Uh, Joe Varden said that they're going to go over Kobe Altman's uh, resume or performance with a microscope. Uh, so it, it it should be interesting. I, you know, if you if you had gut feeling, Eli, right now, is Kobe Altman. So going to be drafting for the Cavs, and is he going to be the Cavs GM when the season starts next year? My gut feeling is that he will be drafting for the Cavs. I think the longer this goes, the more likely he's just going to stay, and he'll be kind of lame ducky. I mean, that's like a he'll feel like a lame duck GM, um, even though he got an extension last year, um, but. I think he will not end the season with the Cavs, though. That's my. Ooh, spicy. I think regardless, he won't. He won't end the season with the Cavs. Spicy take, um, Eli. I like it. I think honestly, and this is you know not to troll, but I really don't think his drafts have been that horrendous. Of course, like I hate Chris Fedor's reporting because he's very pro Cavs, 
which I get. Um, you know, like it, it, it would suck if your person with the most access is just ragging on the team the whole time. But um, what do you mean by that? I just I think that he has drafted decently for the spots he's been in. No, the I mean the, the Chris Fedor comment. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he just, this whole season, he's been talking about this top half of the NBA core. Are you, are and, you, do you mean Joe Varden? <laughs> no, this is definitely Chris Fior that's been saying that. And it's okay. been driving me nuts because. Fior is for Cleveland.com? Correct. He's on the Cleveland. Okay, I, I had it backwards. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's just like so frustrating that it's obvious he's getting that information from the front office uh, to kind of say stuff like that, especially after the. Jared Allen trade. So I just think that he's too pro Cavs as a beat writer. And it just was frustrating because the team obviously has not been that much improved overall. So that being said, he also is the only person that can seem to get the actual information from the organization at this point. Mm-hmm. So that just makes it doubly frustrating that he, he probably is caught in a bind where he well, has to report positively or he can't keep getting the inside scoops. With the, I mean, I actually line. think he's done a really good job this year of, of balancing. I know I like him more than you do. But he, he certainly provided more objectivity than, say, you know, Joe Varden and Jason Lloyd from The Athletic, who seem to just write, seem to recycle the same kind of hit pieces over and over. Um, and, it's, and it's pretty unfortunate. And then, of course, you've got Sam Amico, who I, I don't even understand why anybody's listening to his opinions anymore. They just, everything he reports seems so far out of left field and yeah. just very trolly to, you know, clickbaity. So I don't know. Um, and, and I like Sam Amico and I, I have some friends in common with him, but it's, you know, he, his, he keeps forming these new websites. And saying he's not going to report on the Cavs anymore, and it feels like the only thing he reports on is the Cavs. Like he keeps saying he's going to be NBA reporter at large, but the only team he seems to have info on is the Cavs. So it's it's interesting. I I don't put a ton of I don't know I don't put a ton of stock in a lot of what I've heard from you know Varden or Fedor. Or anybody really about the Cavs. I think they're really super tight-lipped. Um, but I think there is one question, and I'll ask you the question I asked Eli, Chris. But first, I want to ask you the question that's been really bubbling under the surface of Cavs Twitter. Uh, Chris, is Dan Gilbert alive? <laughs> we need proof of life. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I, and you know what? Like, can we even say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, wh- I mean, that was a bombshell story, though, during the year, wasn't it? That somehow, like, that is 20-some-odd-year-old son, son yep. was, uh, has, has taken the reins, and he came from the and he came from the more the entertainment product side of the of the organization and not like anything related to basketball really you know yeah. a basketball operation so 
I mean, great question, Nate. That that's the question that needs to be asked. <laughs> yeah, like I and I think I I mean th- there's definitely a running joke uh, on Twitter of people that just publishing Dan Gilbert is not actually alive conspiracy theories. I oh, think wow. he he is alive. <laughs> I just think you know he is suffered from the effects of a stroke, and I think it's very. I think he suddenly become a very private person in that he doesn't want to publicly acknowledge this, you know, the symptoms of his stroke or let people see him, you know, oh, yeah, understandable. I mean, his weakness or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. But yeah. and the other part of it is he has a lot of money now. He's probably one of the richer NBA owners at this point. Just as much as the valuation on Quicken Loans or uh, Rocket Mortgage is, has taken off in the last three, four years. Um, he has got a very large net worth. and Yeah, he's got Balmer money. Yeah, he can definitely do whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> you know, he, he could probably even build himself a Dan Gilbert robot at this point, just live in it, but like, like Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's... It's an interest. It's a very weird dynamic in that, you know, Kobe Altman kind of hasn't publicly addressed the media. They had this weird, weird deal that you called out, Eli, where they're having two series of exit interviews, like a casual exit interview and then a more formal exit interview down the line. I mean, what is that? Yeah, it's just so weird. What's, and, your, what's, your, uh, all's, what's your all's take on that? Like, what, like it's weird that it's even reported. And one. And then two, why do two? And, and and my speculation would be: Is it with both? Is it is it with just with one with just Kobe and one with just Dan? Or well, I don't think what it's the heck Dan, is going on? but I think you know. To me, it really speaks to they're evaluating everything and they want to evaluate the guys at the top first. So mm-hmm. if it's gonna be Kobe Altman. You know, they're having this informal one because they want to get everybody's opinions in the can before everybody takes off for the summer. And then they're going to evaluate the front office and probably the coaching staff. And then after that, they'll make these decisions and kind of bring these players back. Um, that or makes at least sense. interview them. That That's yeah. my opinion on what mm-hmm. that. And honestly, that's probably how I'd run it, too. Um you know, I think the biggest question about the Cavs is, are they trying to win or are they not trying to win this last year? And I think that's the thing that nobody can figure out. Like, if they were trying to tank, they did an okay job until Kevin Love penned his <laughs> FU to the Cavs org with his monster game that basically pushed him out of the three-way tie for the, was it, third worst record? And pushed him into the fourth worst, or I guess it was yeah. fifth and sixth. It was fifth, fifth at yeah. the time. But then yeah. the Magic and Thunder won. Yeah, so yeah. it's a very weird um, well, dynamic, to, for sure. I, I think you asked an excellent question about whether they were trying to tank or not, and I have an answer to that, in my opinion. And judging don't just give it don't say in my opinion don't water it down (laughs) well judging from judging from the public statements from jb bickerstaff at the beginning of the season and kobe altman from the beginning of the season 
there was no mention of the word tank, no mention of the word even. They they downplayed the word development, and what they what I remember the phrase it was impact on team success. That's yeah. what they were going for. Impact on team success was was going to determine how things were ran. And so, judging by that, if we use their own public statements as a standard for judging the season, it was a catastrophic failure. I mean, it was a mess because they did not, I mean, they weren't even close to accomplishing what they thought they were supposed to. They weren't, I mean, they were, they, once there was talk about the play-in, what did they do? Reel off 13 out of 14 losses to end a year or something like that. It was something insane. Soon as, uh, and you even mentioned the last podcast, that was one of the worst losses of the season was in that, in that, in the very beginning of that stretch was there was talk about the play-in and then I think it was Detroit. I think you said it was Detroit. Yeah, that Detroit game was brutal because Detroit was, Detroit was, they were tanking the second worst team in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they were missing like four yes. guys. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, and and then we had the to begin the year we had the uh, we had the KPJ thing happen. Then we had the Drummond thing happen. Then we had the Love thing happen. And, uh, well, you and know, Larry Nance two yeah, significant Nance's injuries mm-hmm, this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And then of course Dylan Windler. Kind of getting nothing out of him mm-hmm. this season, you know. Struggled early in the season. Pretty much only had like two or three good games, mm-hmm. and struggled the rest of the time. And then was out with injury again. Um, you know, my opinion is is they had a good season, or they had the intentions of competing um, early in the season. And I think you know Andre Drummond and that three center lineup uh, that they were talking about running with uh, Nance and Drummond and oh, who was the other guy? I can't remember. Uh, McGee. Yeah, McGee. Jeez. Um, <laughs> was a was definitely something they wanted to do. They thought they could get away with it. I think they thought they'd get a lot more out of Kevin Love early in the season. No, it was Love. It was Love and Nance and. Drummond and you know, real early on, they did some very terrible things managing injuries, and they kind of did that throughout the season. I mean, when Love got hurt nursing a sore calf after why yeah, they, they were played playing him. on a back to back just mm-hmm. made zero sense whatsoever. Absolutely, yeah. and then of course he was hurt for an extended period of time after that, and so that kind of fell apart. And then Larry Nance Jr. Uh, two significant. Injuries broke his hand twice in the same season, plus had an illness. Um, you know, they had a lot of bad luck. Well, and I don't know if you remember the Larry Nance thing, but there was a question about whether they kind of brought him back too soon. Uh, from which one? For which one? From the first injury, oh. from oh. yeah, because they brought oh, yeah. him back and then he got injured like straight yeah, away. And he again. Was, you could see it in the games, his hand right. was, mm-hmm. and it was. Yeah, and I just judging from what you're saying, you know, it it doesn't feel like they were making smart decisions. It feels like they were chasing wins in the short term 
Mm-hmm. Um, yet still wanting to play these young guys all the time, and it it feels like they tried to do two things at once the entire season. Absolutely, that's what I was just going to say. It's one foot in, one foot out. And yeah. that's a really hard way to operate. Like, mm-hmm. no man can serve two masters. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's been Kobe's biggest problem. And then, obviously, towards the end, they pivoted towards tanking, as a lot of NBA teams did. And mm-hmm. I... If they don't end up in the top five or six, I honestly don't really care all that much. I think it's a really deep draft, and I don't trust Kobe Altman's ability to pick the best long-term player anyway. So I don't, I don't know if it matters where they draft. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'd love to have number one because Cade Cunningham is a really good fit for this team, but. Mm-hmm. I am just so worried about them, you know, in three or four, taking another big man with no place to play him or taking another guard that they don't have a place to play him. It's just, I don't know. I think, so my plan for the org, this has been a long soliloquy, and I'll let you talk here in a minute, Eli. I I think what they should do is find somebody with a really good coaching pedigree and make that person the president of the uh, Cavs and leave Kobe Altman as a GM because he has done some really good things this year. They've really he's done a great job of developing the bottom of the bench um, and bringing guys from you know the G League and re- unrestricted free agents or undrafted free agents and and you know developing them into guys with an NBA future. But he's also really screwed up the draft. I. It really bothers me that you can talk about the 2019 draft with Darius Garland and then never mention the fact that Windler and KPJ seem to be big misses in a draft where there is a lot of rotation players that are playing in the playoffs now that got picked up after those guys. So I'm I'm pretty skeptical about the leadership, but I don't think Kobe Altman is bad at finding talent but I think he's bad about le- at leading an org. So I'd love to see him bring in a Brad Stevens or Alex Jensen from the Jazz and have that person be president and have Kobe be the GM under him. But I don't think Dan Gilbert will ever, ever give up that kind of control. So we'll see what happens. Eli, that was a long soliloquy from me. Um, so do you think Dan Gilbert's alive? <laughs> so... You don't hear something very interesting. So um, I'm actually in the finance industry, right? So I do listen to companies when they do their 10K calls. And not all the time, but just like companies so what is I personally 10K follow. Call? It's when they a company like re- has like an annual conference call to their shareholders. Okay, about like how quarterly earnings report. Yeah, so 10K is usually after their audited financials are out and they okay. like do a big call on that. Right, and they usually um, happens I, quarterly, right? Well, they do it quarterly, but the yearly one is where, like, usually the chairman comes okay. on and talks, and it's usually after the first quarter Okay, when they Thanks. finalize all that. Um, but Dan Gilbert is no longer the CEO of Rocket Mortgage, yeah, I so he's that. no longer obligated to do that. But I did actually dial in just to see if he would call in, because sometimes chairmen do come on just to, like, be like, oh, you know, like, company's doing great, like, you know, I trust the direction of the CEO. But there was like no mention of Dan Gilbert in uh, Rocket Mortgage's call this year, so I just thought that was kind of unique. Um, I do think he's alive, but I also kind of agree that after the stroke, I think he's 
been impacted more severely than he wants people to know. So he's kind yeah. of keeping it very low key. The last thing we really heard from him was when I believe when Joe Tate died and he yeah. put out a public statement and, you know, it was in a wheelchair and from everything I read and I only read it in one or two places that he had had some complications that winter. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the state of the team is and they've been pretty, pretty mum on it. Um, it, it is a little weird. So I, I hope there can be some clarity going forward with that team. So I don't know. No. What about, uh, do you think the Cavs were trying to win or not, Eli? I think they were really trying to win this season and at least in a early. weird way. At least early, and I think in a weird way, the Jarrett Allen trade uh, kind of derailed it because they it made them play, you know, take away minutes from Drummond, who at the time seemed like a more impactful player, which I disagree with the logic, but that's kind of what we were told entering the season that Drummond was, you know, a considerably a focal point of the team. So I think that really just was the beginning of the end for the Cavs competing legitimately. Um, I personally think that they should have been completely tanking the season. They should have just been playing KPJ, the Sexland, and uh, you know the Okoro. young guys as much as they could. Okoro, yeah, and yeah. Winler if he could have stayed healthy. So I think that was a goal to do that. Like let those guys if let. If it was me, I would have just made those guys play as much as they could this season. Try to get a thought, uh, great pick in this draft that allegedly has an extremely high ceiling in the top five. But, you know, I just think the Cavs just can't, can't help themselves. And they just think that they're closer to competing than they actually are. Yeah. And ironically, I, if I there totally was a season to do it, it's this season because I don't know. The East standings this year were horrendous. I think at one point, only the top three in the East had a record over 500. So it's not like if there was a year to make the playoffs easily, it would have been this year. Well, I, I think and, that speaks to if there was a year to punt also, it was this year. Because, you know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't even know if we'd get to the end of it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the season with regularly four and five games in seven days was just a total meat grinder. Like... I don't know if I'm amazed more guys didn't get hurt. And obviously you had teams like the Lakers where their stars missed significant time. And you saw teams, I, I don't really think Golden State kind of falls into that category. But I, I certainly think the compressed schedule didn't help their older vets. Um, of course, it didn't hurt Steph Curry because he was a, a rock star, especially the whole second half of the year. But, I mean, it, it was... It was a weird season. I, I agree with you, though. I think they should have been developing the young guys. I think the biggest problem with the Andre Drummond slash um, Kevin Love moves, and I they both strike me as just being total Dan Gilbert moves, of, you know, Andre Drummond obviously played for the Pistons, so Drummond's aware of him. Or not, uh, Gilbert's aware of him. Sorry, Dan Gilbert moves. Um, and Kevin Love, I just felt like that was, okay, Dan wants one of his stars from the era to stick around. And it's like you said, the Cavs can't help themselves. They didn't want to go to full rebuild. But I think that $60 million they spent on those two guys really hurt their long-term development 
because what they weren't able to do because of that is basically rent their cap space to take on bad bad contracts and do what Oklahoma City did, you know, taking on Al Horford um, and getting draft picks to take that terrible contract. You know, the same mm-hmm. thing that Houston kind of did with uh, uh, John Wall and, you know, trading all their vets like P.J. Tucker. You know, build a cache of draft picks and, you know, solid young players and start to develop them. And I really felt like the Drummond and Kevin Love thing set them back in that category. So, and that's kind of all I've got to say about that. I actually take the opposite. I think they should have been trying to win because what was clear at the beginning of the year, they weren't going to get good guard play no matter what. I mean, just looking at the roster, like uh, unless they were going to be willing to, uh, unless they were willing to risk it with KPJ, they were not going to get good guard play. And so they were at, I don't think there was much of a risk at them having too much success. Um, But I think what they did was they did alien. I mean, that's why Kevin Love is alienated at this point because they didn't, I've gone on my tangents about and, you know, I've gone on, you know, on my soliloquies about uh, Kevin Love and how we're misusing him. And and so to me, what I think the, the, the reason why I think they should have won is because I think the guy who was actually affected the most and you didn't learn enough about was Sexton and his ability to actually transform into a playmaking star. That's what I think got ruined this year because you weren't trying to win or that you were trying to win, but not trying, you know, doing the one foot in one foot out thing is that I think that they really needed to figure out before Sexton had this huge, you know, decision coming about his contract. They needed to figure out if he could take the leap from just a scorer to an actual playmate. But I feel like he got every opportunity in the world to do that. And, and maybe, well, I mean, he's 21, though. I mean, that's the thing, is that he's, well, he's so 22 far... 22 now. Well, 22, yeah, 22 yeah. this year. Right, he was 21 to 22 this year. And and I feel like we're no closer to figuring out if he can take that leap well, that I'll we've seen other you players. You know, I'll that, give you that an that answer. We've... It's obvious he's not. Like, I mean, I just think <laughs> it's so I clear mean... that he's not. <laughs> like... Well, I mean, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, is the, the thing is, is that um, the hardest thing to do in the NBA is score, and he's got that. So that's that's why you try and figure out can he add a playmaking element, you know, and take the leap that we saw. I think we've seen players like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Devin Booker just this past game, you know, is a perfect example of. Guys that are young and, and, and even uh, Donovan Mitchell, guys that were scorers and were probably overrated by a lot of fans um, because of their scoring. But, uh, but teams trying to figure out if those guys can make that leap. And yeah, I, think I think we got no closer to figuring out if Colin Sexton can make that leap. And, well, and But although I do agree, like I totally agree with both of you that, I mean, I've, I've been on the – I've been driving the the anti Sexton train for a long time, you know. So I do agree. At the end of the day, it's hard to see him 
having flipping that switch but i feel like you should have tried to figure it out and and i I think they did try to figure it out it just didn't work Um, sure sure i just think that if you ran the sex and sexlin lineup you were never trying to figure it out oh you're saying they should have staggered him and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. see my my opinion with that is yeah well i i think they if they were trying to win they should have staggered him you're probably right the other side of that is that's why I think they – that's the part of my brain that thinks they were tanking because you don't start <laughs> two guards that are that young, that bad on defense, and expect to win. Like if you were, were actually expecting to win with that, you were incompetent. Yes. <laughs> because, which, is why, which is why my stance is Altman's got to go. J.B. Bickerstaff has got to go. That's my verdict with the, with the – So you think they really were trying to win and they just – we're Absolutely. That okay. is my that's the conclusion I've reached. That that that's exactly what I feel is that they literally tried to win and this is how incompetent they were. That mm-hmm. this, this is the and and that would easily explain the outbursts of Kevin Love sitting there and going, "What the heck are these guys doing?" What, what and are Kevin we, Porter Jr. to be honest? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and, and I don't know if you caught that, but I think it was Sam Amico dropped a nugget that said that there were veterans on the team that were mad that they got rid of KPJ. Veterans. He said specifically veterans. And the only ones that matter, to my mind, at that time, were Love, Drummond, and Nance. Yeah. Right? I don't know if there was... Maybe... I don't, I don't, I don't include Delhi in that, because, I mean, he wasn't playing, and it was, it was a far road for him to play. But the, the yeah, veterans that mattered... And so I thought that was a quite an interesting little nugget that I don't know if it's true. I, or not, I don't know how much I, I buy into that. I mean, I, right. I think when it was reported, that guy could have been Taurean Prince at that point, too. That's true. <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Which, yeah. I mean, that's fun. That's ironic, actually, since he took his locker, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it is definitely odd. And they yeah, I think that's the biggest problem is they, they've tried to split the baby so much mm-hmm. between winning and losing. Um, I, I ultimately, you know, you brought up a really good point. If the Cavs are trying to win next year, is JB Bickerstaff a viable alternative as a head coach? Um, Eli, what, what do you think of that? Um, I think he's a good coach in the sense that he's helped Memphis in a way get to where they needed to get where they are now. Granted, a lot of people were frustrated with him because he actually didn't play the young guys a lot when he was there. But I think that frustration and growing pains helped Jaron Jackson and John Moran get better. Unintentionally. It's not like he's some master genius that did that. But he's a coach that, you know, is a true player's coach. And I think he does extract the most out of those young guys or the end of the bench guys. And the Cavs need as much as they can of that because... They 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 didn't do a good job of assembling the assets to get more chances at the apple. So, um, but that being said, like if the Cavs are re- actually competing to win a championship, I don't think he's the right. Well, I don't, I don't I don't think anybody thinks they're competing to win a championship. The next goal is, you know, to to be a five hundred team at this point. Um, you know, to be a team that you know has a shot at the play in or the lowest you know parts of the NBA playoffs. So. That's the next step. It, it's not remotely competing to a playoff, and I'm not sure. 
J.B. Bickerstaff can get him there, but I, I don't know the answer to that. What about you, Chris? What do you think? I mean, I mean obviously I'm, you I'm said no, but give me your yeah, reasons why. The, the offense is the offense. The offense is completely awful, and it's completely it, – it's completely um, – it's totally uh, poorly designed. Um, there's a lack of three-point shooting. There, uh, when, you know, the lack of usage for Kevin Love, too much usage for Colin Sexton, not enough usage of, uh, Darius Garland, not putting a Coro at the two and putting the ball in his hand, letting him play make, letting him get to the rim. You know, it's just, there, I, I mean, it was, it was the worst offense in the NBA, right? You, you know, and, and, and the defense finally. Were they the off. worst offense statistically? Uh, they were bottom three, I think. I, I think I think the only one that was worse was Oklahoma City, and maybe uh, I can look it up real quick. But yeah, no, I mean they were no, bottom. Th- I mean they were there was they were just. I mean they were just not even. Uh, they were one of the worst, if not the worst. And so to me, it's. Uh, I mean, what really hacked me off? What really hacked me off was the way that they, the way that they catered to Sexton, and then it robbed uh, an opportunity of really finding out can DG can can DG make the leap into an elite scorer because he shows some intriguing traits like or um, an elite one, playmaker, you know, all yes, right, exactly. They were bottom three. Sorry, so they well, were they weren't the, the way- worst. Yeah, they were 28th in um, offensive def- efficiency, offensive efficiency, and last in points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and 17th in, um, or I guess 25th in defensive rating and 17th in defensive points per game. So mm-hmm. and minus 8.6, 28th in net rating. So definitely nowhere to go but up there. Um, <laughs> and and I think we saw a lot of it with the way they treated Okoro throughout the year, you know, the first time oh of the God. season, they really just camped him in a corner and he never got to touch the ball. And by the time he did, he was so out of rhythm. And when they actually, you know, let him touch the ball and got him into a rhythm offensively, he really started to look a lot more dynamic as the season went on. And absolutely. You yeah. Know, yeah. And, and it's like, like I said before, as you look at his college tape, what was he doing? He had the ball in his hands and he was making plays for himself and for other guys. Yeah. And, and his basketball IQ, which is something you've you've noticed, you know, and other uh, other really uh, you know um, well respected in my mind, uh, uh, people say like he's got the basketball IQ to make right the right plays consistently, and it's just so so you know the I the reason why I think Bickerstaff should go is because he just didn't have the gumption, he didn't have the courage to do something about Sexley, yeah. you know. Well, it's I, ex- I think. You know, more importantly is what he, you said is how they just ran a really simplistic offense. I mean, right? There's no. I mean, we said it all year. There's no weak side action at all in the Cavs' offense. It's a spread pick and roll half the time, or you know, a tilted pick and roll, and they they're just not doing anything, and they're just so easy to defend, or they're just trying to force the ball into the post with no action to get the post open or they're running those wing curls. They basically had three or four sets and they were all pretty weak. <laughs> and, and as we talked about, I mean, you look at the guy who's the Memphis coach now. Uh, 
Taylor Jenkins, I believe. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins. I mean, literally drew up two out of bounds plays to get layups at the end of the last two games that he coached uh, versus Golden State and then against the Jazz. And when's the last time you ever saw the Cavs get a layup on an out of bounds play? Can I? I think I can remember like maybe twice all year. <laughs> and it's just. You know, they just, he's just not great at drawing up plays. Their actions are bad. Um, I really think, you know, one of the examples of the bad coaching was the way they dealt with Chetty Osman all year, who, you know, you pointed That's out good one. really early in the season that he was, you know, really sneakily efficient and his analytics were, were decent for the role he was playing. Well, they just let him, you know, keep having really bad habits at the guard spot. Um, keep turning the ball over, and they were just keeping him ga- in games in these abysmal shooting per- performances. Oh, they ran him into the ground. Yeah, he played something like 40-some-odd straight games and just ran him into the ground. Yeah, and, and it was just brutal. It's yeah. like, come on, you've got to coach the guy. You've got to manage. You've got to give him things that he can improve upon, and when it's not working, you know, sit him down for a couple days and games and work on his game, and they finally did that, and he improved, and... You know, it just boggles my mind because, you know, you got people saying, oh, who's going to be the backup point guard next year? And I read Evan Damrell said Brad Wanamaker. And I'm like, are you serious? Brad Wanamaker is one of the worst players in the league um, from an analytics and just raw box score standpoint. He is just a point guard that doesn't do anything well and fouls a lot. Like, you would be much better off just keeping Chetty as your backup point guard. And I almost feel like the Cavs should lean into that because they really. He's the second. I don't best know if there's any other the options. Well, no, you're well, from uh, well, Nance. Uh, well, I, well, and well, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Deli and Deli and Nance. You know. Yeah. And, but but those I guys mean, are fragile at this point. But what were right. you saying, Eli? Well, you're about to chime in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if there was a year to see if Okoro could be the secondary playmaker this this year would have been in the year. I was yeah, about I know. It's like one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okoro would be a great option. I, I, I certainly think that he has the skills to do it. So, you know, I think that gets us to the million-dollar question. I think we're all – I don't even know if I have to ask. I mean, raise your hand if you disagree. Nobody thinks the Cavs should offer Colin Sexton a contract extension of, you know, anything more than 20 – God, twenty million a year feels like an overpay. It is. It is. I, I you know, I was bru- You know, I, I'll, I'll back off my brutal assessment while I was mad in in live threads. But I mean, I can't see. I mean, he's worth Lou Williams' money. He's worth Lou Mil- Williams' money. You know, yeah. maybe a little more than that because of the age factor and the upside. But I mean, I can't see you spending like if he wants a contract this summer. Then I can't see the Cavs being smart offering him anything more than fifteen mil a year. And, uh, and, I, and I think he'll end up if the Cavs offer if the Cavs are smart, it's seventeen, eighteen million in that range. And okay, right, right. But they've got a weird situation because can they pay Jared Allen more than they pay Colin Sexton on that team? That's a hard sell for Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think they've kind of created a monster with all these, you know, nominations to the player of the week. And they've kind of, they've almost over catered to him as the face of the franchise when he's okay. I don't know. Right. No, I mean, I, I, 
I'm I'm totally out. I've been out on Colin Sexton. Um, I was out on him. I went back and looked at our CTB 2018 thread, and it it was just a it, it was a mistake. SGA was sitting there. You know, if you wanted to get risky, you could have taken MPJ. But I, you know, I've always been an SGA well, over Sexton. I, I, I think. Uh... I, I think uh, Macau Bridges is way underrated. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely, yes. But I don't know if he mm-hmm. developed the way that the Cavs would have needed him to. Right. Um, right. And the Cavs would have had, and then they probably end up not trading Jordan Clarkson in that situation, making the lead guard. So would that have been a great fit for the long-term success of the franchise? I don't know. We'd probably be having the same conversation about Jordan Clarkson <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I have to give credit to Clarkson, I felt like he kind of made a mini leap. Um, oh, he did, but yeah, he's you know. also gotten. But he still role yes, that makes sense yeah. for him, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. are like, "That's Sexton's best role as a six man." So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I th- I think the Cavs at this point take the best player available. Um, honestly, I would actually try to trade down if I were them. You know, if you end up like two or three and you can trade down to five or six, I think that'd be a great move. Um, If you can get some more capital later in the draft, because I really feel like they just need more talent. And at this point, I'm writing off Dylan Windler. And it's I, I feel like the Cavs don't fail fast enough on some of these guys sometimes like they they don't cut bait when they should on a lot of these guys. You know, Dylan Windler. Um, you know, yeah, that's, a, that's just a general trend of, I think, the NBA where just teams in general overvalue their own players. Yeah, yeah I mean, my new motto is WWMD, what would Memphis do? Because Absolutely. I'm just watching all these young guys on Memphis. They got Desmond Bain. They got um, Xavier Tillman. They've got... Um, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, DeAnthony Melton. Uh, Brandon Brooks. Clark. And Brandon Clark isn't even playing for him right now. Right. I know. You know, they just look awesome with the way they draft and just mine these end of the roster guys. And the Cavs are playing those guys, but they're not winning. So they need to change up the formula. I don't know. Eli, I feel like we've been talking a lot. Anything you want to add? No, I'm. Yeah. So on the Sexton thing, like the thing is, the Cavs don't even have to do anything this just True. give him the qual, let him play it out the contract, and let him be a restricted free agent next year. And if he really thinks he's worth twenty million dollars a year, and someone gives it to him, the Cavs have the option to match it. Like I don't see what the why there's so much blowback on letting. Why is that not an option that is so widely regarded right now? Yeah, I, it's I, like I, you either I, have to extend them or don't. I got a question for you. So do you put much truth in the rumor that a lot of the stuff about Sexton? comes from clutch and that they want to get their guy Darius Garland paid and either off the Cavs or get Sexton off the Cavs? No, I don't really believe that. I think, I just think, well, I mean, some of the clutch stuff is hilarious. Like when they asked Draymond, who, who's a, who's a young player that is kind of underrated in your opinion. And his immediate answer was, Oh, Darius Garland. I can't even guard his hesitation dribble. Like, like if that's what you like, some of that stuff is very comical, but I don't think I don't know. I think Draymond was right. I think Draymond was correct. 
just in my humble opinion. Well, no, it cracks me up because I do remember a uh, comment I made on the live thread where it's like, oh, Colin Sexton tries to take Draymond one-on-one, and the results were pretty predictable. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, but keep going, Eli. Yeah, but I just think the whole Sexton discourse is actually pretty funny because – it's not like we have to, there's a gun to the Cavs organization head. They don't have to make a decision. They can play this out next year. Yeah, they, I don't know. I think that's the most team prudent that sabotages position. themselves a lot with that kind of stuff. I agree, and I think the worst thing they could do is pay the guy twenty plus million a year right now. Because if you're talking about not being flexible at all, like that's that's the ticket to to doing that again. I mean, you you're just trading out. Optionality is is great. <laughs> Don't lock yourself yeah. into a situation when you don't have to. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're just basically trading out Drummond's bad contract last season for Sexton's next year, then. That's what you're doing. So, um, Jared Allen, what kind of extension do you think he gets? Or not extension, new contract. He's going to get, I think he's going to get five, five for a hundred. Wow. That's a yeah. big, that's a big deal. Do you feel like that. that's a good contract or an overpay? I think it's, a slight overpay. I like Jared Allen a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I just think I still have questions long term about his offensive game. Like you're paying a guy a lot of money who isn't, you know, he's a good rim protector. Don't get me wrong, but and he's pretty elite at blocking shots. But you know, you can't switch on guards. Um, and his offensive game is all, you know, he's a trash man. He's a layup guy, dunk guy, putbacks. So it's a lot of money for a guy that his best skill set is, you know, a better rim running Tristan Thompson. Basically, like he's not even as good as Tristan Thompson on defense uh, back in his day. So I find it it's really tough. interesting that one of the reasons that the Nets felt fine moving on from Jared Allen is they pretty much have the same player. Obviously, not the same level of touch, but in Nick Claxton. Uh, who's kind of filled in seamlessly for Jared Allen since he left. And it makes me wonder, like, how many of those guys are just around in the NBA? And is that a guy that's really going to help you win a ton? Like, do you really need to invest a lot of money into a center? Like well, there's that? there's been a revolution based on, I mean, it's been there's been a revolution in the NBA uh, that um, what it takes to win is perimeter playmaking. That's yeah. what it really takes no, to win. I don't, I and, don't think that's true. And so, I think it's just playmaking. Sure, I sure. Mean, I'm yeah, watching but, the but guy now, I mean, the point well, center. I, <laughs> I, I think it is perimeter playmaking because look at the move that they made. The, 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 the move was to get Harden. And what is he – I mean, well, oh, and yeah. he, you know what I'm saying? And he makes plays – it's the fact that he can shoot threes, pass the ball, and get to the rim. You got it, It's the fact that he can do all three of those things, and that's – that's what you want, you know. That's what you're looking. Yeah, I'm for just is, saying you, you can know. have that guy. You, you watch a guy like Jokic. That guy can sure, play sure. any position for you. You know. Yeah, absolutely. LeBron, but that can be a four. Yes. You know. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, as and long you as do they those can make things with size, all the better. I think that's yes. actually the biggest problem. And I still say, you know, you you have your issues with Fedor, but he had one of my absolute all time favorite quotes on the season. Eli was. You know, somebody was complaining about Kevin Love and he's or not Kevin Love, Colin Sexton. And he said, you know, the problem with Colin Sexton is when you're his size, you have to be transcendent 
for to be a guy that you can build a, around, and he's not that guy. He's not Damian Lillard. He's not um, Kyrie. Kyrie. He's not Kyle. Well, Kyrie's six three. He's not Kyle Lowry. He's not um, who's the other guy? That Van got? Fleet. Van Vliet. You know, he's just not any of those guys. And I don't know if we've seen him have an ability to do those things. But I will say he's still got, you know, your NBA development curve peaks at like 25, 26. Yeah. So he, he he's still, still could maybe away. be those guys, but it's hard to say, you know. Well, and then, that, then the, I go back to the question of tanking development versus winning is that I feel like that because they've, given him every allowance to develop now that there's these issues about winning games mm-hmm. how he that's what he doesn't know how to do he doesn't know how to limit his turnovers make better decisions make the pass you know uh, make the pass to the open guy play the um, possession game yeah. exactly Ex- value yes the the value valuing every possession because that's what it really takes yeah. to well win. and i would say the other thing is is you comment all the time how what an abysmal defender he is <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I'm watching Damian Lillard shoot now. Damian Lillard used to be an abysmal defender, but what Damian Lillard does that I don't see Colin Sexton doing anytime soon is Damian Lillard has always been an amazing shooter off the dribble, um, mm-hmm. and is just as good as Steph right now as a as a shooter. Steph's probably a better shooter moving without the ball, and Lillard's probably a better shooter with the ball in his hands. But I mean, they're both amazing. I don't. Colin Sexton is a catch and shoot guy, is a three point player, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's really difficult to build an offense around a guy like that when he's six one. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it should be interesting. I mean, as far as other things for the Cavs go, um, I mean, obviously they're going to get a draft pick, and we'll talk more about the draft as the season goes on or as the off season goes on, but. You know, I'm a little bit curious what you think they're going to do from a free agency standpoint. I mean, I think obviously the move is to try and offload Kevin Love, but I don't think there's anybody biting on that contract. Eli, what do you think the Cavs do in the offseason? Do you think they chase any free agents? Uh, they try to restructure the the contracts? I mean, what do you think? Not restru- restructure the roster, I mean. Yeah, I think the they're going to just be in the margins again this offseason. I don't think they can make a splash because of the cap situation. Um, you know, obviously, I think trading Kevin Love would be ideal. And I think if you don't have to give up any draft capital, I would have to really consider it. Um, I'd even, you know, be willing to throw in Sexton as like a <laughs> asset to help get rid of Kevin Love, but I just don't think... Sexton's Why would you do that either. to Kevin, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trade him to a team and then like, no! But that's the thing. I don't think Sexton's even valued that highly by the NBA. Like, yeah, I don't see no. teams wanting to trade for him at all. And yeah. uh, it's just, uh, I think, you know, some when I watched the Knicks play last night, even though they lost, I just get kind of upset because they had Alec Burks on the team two years ago. And mm-hmm. that's like the type, that's mm-hmm. a perfect free agent fit for the Cavs. Like a veteran who is, you know, a little bit too big to be too big and slow to play a point, but he's a good enough playmaker. He gets away with it. He's not a bad defender. A and he can shoot. To unlock a guy like that though. Yeah. And the Cavs I mean, don't I, they have did that. Tibbs. Yeah. They did get Tibbs. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so, 
I mean, but Alec Burks was a good player for the Cavs without. Oh, yeah, three coaching. game winners in nine games. Yeah, so he was a lot know, of he, fun. You, I think the Cavs need to try to find veterans that are like him, where they know the know how to play basketball. Their IQ is through the roof. They're basically another extension. They're another coach out there. Yeah, and that's the type of free agent they need to go for. Even now, if, I would say you know, the corollary to that is the Cavs have got to stop chasing. And signing these players that have questionable injury histories. I mean, how many guys do the Cavs throw many at that have questionable injury histories? I mean, you look at Larry Nance had injury histories before he joined the Cavs. You you know, Kevin Love, obviously, before they signed that extension, a lot of injury history. Um, you know, that's the one thing I... I don't really want to see him bring Dante Exum back for that reason. And there's been a lot of option, uh, you know, rumors that the Cavs really liked Exum and would love to bring him back. And it's like, you know, you, they got to stop depending on these guys that can't stay healthy. Uh, and that's my biggest thing on them is, you know, just stop. Just get guys who are healthy. It's not that hard. But I'm with you on the other stuff, Eli. I think that's a great point. Get high IQ guys that do the right things. And, you know, it worked for the Bulls until they made that disastrous trade. You know, and that's why I'm saying the Cavs need to bring in Thad Young. So. <laughs> oh, man. I'll take it. I'll take so it. I feel like we've beaten the Cavs to death, and I don't really want to get into the draft too much until, you know, we got a long way to go. We can certainly start doing some draft profiles and – you know, seeing who's kind of out there for the the Cavs, but when we don't know where they're picking, it, it's a little bit tough. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. But I do want to. Um, do we have any other parting shots about the Cavs? Uh, let's let's win that coin flip, baby. <laughs> Get all the lottery odds. Ooh, I, I I think it's so silly. I don't know. I I go round and round like with these people that don't think. Oh, if the Cavs don't get a top five pick, it's the end of the world. You look at a team like the Grizzlies. They built that team. Hardly any of those guys. I mean, obviously, John Morant. But, you know. Yeah, you got to win once. We got to yeah, win once. <laughs> you got to win once. But, yeah, I guess that's the case. But you look at Denver. They they didn't have any high draft picks with the team they built. You know, Jokic yeah. was a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had Nurkic at the same time, too. Yeah, Nurkic <laughs> was their lottery pick from that year. You know. Mm-hmm. You, 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 well, you got to hit on these other guys. Yeah. Got- one, one thing I was going to say to flip it to a positive is thank God, thank God that Garland like came through. I, I you yeah. know, he was a guy that I was really high on and it was a total flop last year. And, but now we can see like this is, I think if there was a guy that we have something special, that's the guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would almost love to see them sign uh, Mike D'Antoni as a coach just oh my on Rob Garland. Oh, my goodness. You know what Wouldn't I mean? that be amazing? Oh, my Well, goodness. they'd be terrible on defense, but just on Garland, Garland at the very least. <laughs> yes, yeah. We, well, I'm, I'm excited next year to see the leap that uh, Garland can possibly make. Um, yeah. I mean, th- what I was going to reference earlier was his uh, off-the-dribble shooting number. I mean, they rival the best in the game right now on that kind of volume. I mean, yeah, and rivals, they, they, they don't they yeah. don't encourage that. It just drives me nuts. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, he rivals Luca. 
he rivals Dame. Like he's got that kind of ability and shot, but we, but they're hamstrung by giving most of the usage to Sexton at this point. And I don't know. I that's why I'm so frustrated is because I want to see thirty percent usage Darius Garland. Let's see what we got. Can he become like a a solid twenty five and ten type of guy, twenty five and eight type of guy? Well, well and, and then I, I, I think don't know he got if we're there piece. yet, but you know the next. The next iteration of that certainly would be fun to see. I mean, I, I think there's a couple steps you're missing along the way, but yeah, I, I'm excited I mean, to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that. Uh, I mean, it was what 16 and six this year, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and and my theory about Garland has been since he had that missing year of college that he's a year behind in his development. So yeah. I think really what we saw was the rookie season this year, and then what are we going to see in a a you know a pseudo year two, and I think I think there's a chance that he could really break out offensively, and then and that's what I, he needs I'm to do. Similar on on Okoro, that's why yeah, absolutely. Them drafting is a three would be absolutely perfect. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean there is there is the in year two Okoro, and but the question really with Okoro is is he's a I think what they discovered with in during the tanking season or tanking portion of the season was. He's a two. He's a two in the NBA. Now, and so they've got a situation where they've got to deal with what are you going to do with that? Like, because I don't think Sexlin plus a Coro is a tenable situation on the perimeter. Well, I think. and you look at the guys that are available in the top five or six of that draft, a lot of them are guards. Like, right. if they're sitting there with the ability to get Jalen Suggs, I mean, what, what do you do, they do? there? Yeah. Right. I mean, if Jalen Suggs is the best player available when they're drafting, I mean, you know, what do you do? You got to move yeah. somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give my shout out to Darius Garland. Thank yeah. you. What pleasure to watch you this season. Yeah. And let's hope they can get healthy. So let's go to the NBA and, you know, quick takes on the playoffs. What What's excited you so far, Eli? Honestly, the most exciting thing for me, and I'm I'm a little bummed out you guys missed it, but the Clippers Mavs series is one that definitely has my full attention. Yeah, that's um, uh, there's a lot of trash talking. Yeah, and I'm a, you, I mean, I'm a huge Lucas fan. I think the Clippers are going to win. To be honest, I just think they're they just have so much more talent and depth. Mm-hmm. But Luca is such a he's just such a great player. It's really hard to. To root against them. Although I will say this: this year I was a little disappointed with how he's acted, like on the court, getting all the technicals. <laughs> Bit of a dude, just being very. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just so whiny, and it it honestly reminds me of LeBron a lot. Um, just how much he complains and uh, just is like a little baby out there sometimes. But uh, in the end, like I think his talent is just so undeniable. And the part that really amazes me about Luca is just. He looks so slow out there. Like he just looks unbelievably slow, but he still like gets by dudes. He like is strong enough, even though he doesn't have like the most chiseled physique, like he can drive and use his shoulders to get easy layups in transition. Like just yeah, the way so, he plays, like it's it's ridiculous. To me. So I I tweeted the other day that if there's a guy that Chetty Osman should emulate, it's uh, Kyle Anderson. And, you know, he does the same thing. He's so slow, 
yet he gets by guys. And I feel like that's Chetty's biggest problem is he actually plays too fast. He, if he slowed down just a little and was just a little more under control, he'd be so much better. You know what I mean? And just was a little stronger with the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you know, be more like Luca. I guess this is what I'm saying, Chetty. So, uh, anyway, and, you keep know, going. to piggyback <laughs> on that, I think, I think Chetty can be a good playmaker from the wing, but the Cavs have just been, you know, lollygagging his roll around. I mean, last season, so not this most recent season, but you know, two years ago, I guess technically, they were asking him to play the four like half the time. Yeah, which was <laughs> so ridiculous. And then this year, they're like, "No, no, you're like our backup point guard and like our three point specialist uh, when you're playing with Sexland." And that's just like not not going to work uh, for. Yeah, give him a role know, veteran and stick player. to it. Yeah. Exactly. And he he did thrive when he was the backup point by necessity. I thought he had I think his vision is way better than Sexton's. Um Absolutely. Oh, well, Amen. Yeah. And a part of that part of that helps is he's also like half a foot taller than him. Exactly. So yep. He can see yep. above the defense. Um yep. but you know, I just think that overall the playoffs it really intrigues me to just watch these players that as Cavs fans we like think that sometimes we get a little too far down the barrel and we think that DG can be like, you know, XYZ or we think Sexton yeah. can be like a Donovan Mitchell. And they're just, it's a whole nother level. And then you just watch these games and you're just like, Colin Sexton is nowhere near the level of Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, even though he hasn't played. And it's like, yeah, Colin Sexton is nowhere near the level of, uh, you know, Mike Conley out or, there. Or what or was Devin the one Booker. that people were comparing DG and John Morant because they had really similar yeah. stats. And it's like, no. John Moran is so ridiculously athletic, and DG just doesn't even have remotely that level of athleticism to his game. Yeah. I mean, and, so and I, he's a good player, but he's just a totally different player. And that, I mean, it, it just boggles. Yeah. I think we got so spoiled watching the LeBron era Cavs that not watching so many of these other teams, you don't realize how good they are. And then mm-hmm. you tend to overvalue the Cavs. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I had this discussion with a lot of my, you know, Cavs fans here that think the Cavs are, you know, closer to the play and then I think I think the Cavs are genuinely a bottom five team right now. And I think it's ludicrous no to think question. that they're not. Yeah, yeah and, and no I question. would say beyond that, you know, Houston and Oklahoma City have so much more future draft capital than the Cavs that it really it's hard to not value them ahead of the Cavs in terms of their futures. Well, not only that, um, the Thunder have has the best player out of both squads of the young players, and they have SGA. I mean, yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm not, not only do they have the draft team. capital, they also have the best player if you combine the yeah. two rosters together. You know, so yeah. when I just see stuff like that, it just really boggles my mind that there there are people who genuinely believe the Cavs are you know closer to the middle of the road than the bottom. Yeah. yeah, well, and and along with that, you know, all it takes is one guy to start turning around your team. So, you know, if the Cavs do land the right guy in this draft, maybe that changes quickly. No, I agree so. that that's definitely true. But as of today, I just keep, oh people who yeah. tell me, you know, I think the Cavs are, like I said, maybe the fifth best team. I mean, fifth fifth from the bottom. Like maybe you can make an argument that Thunder. 
the Rockets, Detroit, and the Magic, right? Like, those are the four teams that you think maybe you're in a worse situation than Cleveland is. But other than that, I don't see a legitimate argument for, like, anyone else, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean Timberwolves, do you really, would you really rather not have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell? Well, and Cat and, uh, and uh, Ant. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Ant is, you know, borderline. I, I honestly think he's probably a better rookie of the year candidate than LaMelo at this point because he played the whole year. Yeah. So. But that's um, just my little rant on watching so the playoffs because it just I'm looks like a different super, game. Sorry, I didn't mean to keep interrupting you. No. I was just going to say I'm super rooting for the Mavs too because I just would love to see the Steve Ballmer super team just not make it anywhere and then Kawhi leave the Clippers high and dry and leave, you know, Paul George kind of sitting there holding the bag. So that that's kind of my dream. <laughs> of course, he would probably just arrange a sign and trade to someone. I could totally see Kawhi arranging a sign and trade to the Knicks now. <laughs> Oh my god! He's so uh, great. Uh, he needs he needs to go to the Heat for that HGH. Oh my god! The Heat are I don't know the Heat the Heat are in trouble, man. Yeah. So, thank goodness the Heat like man. can't. That's another team that like can't help themselves. Like after LeBron left, they like went on that weird spending spree when they should have tanked. Yeah, and then this year they like. Last year they made the playoffs because you know Jimmy Butler was playing out of his mind. Drogic was really good, and nobody realized how well Robinson were really good. And then this year they like shook it all up and got rid of Olenek for Oladipo, who's not even playing. And it's just like they couldn't help themselves. They just felt like they had to go for a big swing again. And well, and they were unwilling to part with Tyler Hero to get Harden, which is just so ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They they were the perfect destination for Harden and they blew it. Yeah, so. no, it, that's actually really funny. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, what about you, uh, Chris? What's your what's your favorite? I mean, NBA playoff uh, story so far. To me, honestly, I, I I am quietly rooting for the Phoenix Suns. I'm really bummed about CP3's shoulder. Uh, you mean his annual playoff injury? Yeah, right. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, uh, they're they're a deep team. Um, they, you know, I was I I left the Utah bandwagon because of the Mitchell injury, but I just kind of I I was really intrigued by the the Phoenix and Utah being the top of the West and seeing what they could do against the pre, the presumptive favorites of the Clippers and the Lakers. So it was really a contrast of you know. A real contrast of team building, of team makeup, and you know, just uh, and in regular season play, and and so I was really intrigued by what those two teams could do in the West, and and also Denver was one of those two until um, Jamal Murray went down, um, and so super bummed about that. But uh, and then and then then the East, uh, my 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 mind is, what can the Bucks do? What can the Bucks do with Drew Holiday now? Um, I think Drew Holiday does make a big difference. It's such a big upgrade to Eric Bledsoe. Um, well, and how but, about getting the monster game from Bryn Forbes tonight? I know, right? I mean, he's not hey, shot. Eli, I think you got some, some music going on in the background there. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, isn't he also – I thought he was from Cleveland State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure – or. Wait, uh, maybe somewhere no, else. I, I gotta thought. look. 
yeah, I, I'm wondering where he came from. Um, but he, he's not shy about shooting. Uh, and uh, he, he got him tonight. So, um, But, uh, yeah, I wonder what the Bucks can do. Play I for feel- Cleveland State and then transferred to Michigan State. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. So nice. yeah, uh, I, I'm kind of wondering what the Bucks do. How about you, Nate? I mean, um, I've I've been super thrilled to watch Memphis the last few true. games. I mean, Memphis has a ton of guys I like on that team. Um, I just watch what they do with the way they develop players. I'm super thrilled that what do you got? Go you can listen to Riders on the Storm there, Eli. Oh no, I was just <laughs> shuffling around in my bed. I'm sorry, I should have muted myself. No, it's okay. <laughs> Getting comfy. Um, <laughs> wow, Eli! Eli, uh, cows a blog after dark here. Scare me out. Well, the the thing is, I'm I'm actually moving this week, so the only furniture I have in my bedroom right now in my whole apartment is actually my bed oh okay, and so my that's TV what stand. Say. It's like the so like it's my my dining yeah. room table, my living room table, and my <laughs> and my sleeping quarters. Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. What was it? Um, my mother-in-law was telling me she used to be a, a saleswoman and she said, you know, every hotel had an indent next to the nightstand because that's where people would sit when they would make phone calls <laughs> on the bed. I was like, I never thought about that, but that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Memphis is just, I love them. I mean, they got so many guys that I wish the Cavs had drafted. You know, Desmond Bain, I was so hoping the Cavs could get back in and take him at in last year's draft. And obviously, you guys know I love uh, Brandon Clark. And, you know, I've always I've always respected Valanchunas after the whole, you know, TT versus Valanchunas thing in the in the what was it, the 2011 draft and or 2009 draft, I can't remember which. But, yeah, I mean, it's they've got a lot of just really fun players. And John Morant's so ridiculous and so fun to watch. And Dylan Brooks, I just love how hard he plays. And, you know, I was rooting for Utah this year, and, you know, Memphis kind of stole my heart. And former, you know, Cavs Twitter uh, OG, Jacob Rosen, wrote for WFNY, is now the director of analytics for um, the Grizzlies, which is just freaking awesome. Like, wow. Cavs Twitter OG in the Cavs zine, uh, writing for the Cavs for, you know, ever, and or writing about the Cavs forever, is now director of analytics. And that's just amazing to me. So um, I'm super excited about that. I'm, I want to see how far they can ride that thing. I would love... And the other thing I'm rooting for is an absolute ratings disaster for the finals. I would love a Bucks Jazz or like a Bucks Memphis final. I just think it would be the best. <laughs> Adam Silver just put out a hit for you. Well, this is my newest thing that just absolutely annoys me. These NBA fans who bitch about TV ratings. Like, who cares? If you like basketball, why do you care what team is in the finals? Like, or what team is getting bigger TV ratings? I mean, I have so many people on Twitter. I've been like, I think you should follow the Professional TV Rating Association because you don't seem to really care about basketball. <laughs> I, it just drives me nuts. So that's my that's my beef du jour. But nice. nice. Um, I do want to go through the postseason awards real quick. So give me your most improved player, Eli. 
Oh, man. Uh, probably has to be Michael Porter Jr. this year, right? I mean, I think the way he elevated, He's certainly uh, in the especially discussion. after especially after Jamal Murray went out, he basically became, you know, a true second star to uh, Jokic to end the season. So he's definitely in the consideration for me. Is he actually the favorite right now, or who's the favorite, I guess? I I, yeah. I would think he would be. Um, gotcha. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, man, I... I was thinking, and that's hard to hard to deny that one. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the leap that he took was astronomical. I mean, it's it's hard to not go with him. I mean, I, w- I wanted to get cute with it and go go with uh, someone like. Uh, I mean, to me, what I my initial thought was Jokic himself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he went from. I don't know what he was before this year, but to go from whatever he was to the best player in the NBA, uh, one uh, in the conversation of one of the best players in the NBA, like you know, it's uh, it's hard to you know. Yeah. My my yeah. guy, my guy's Julius Randle. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think that would have been my second choice. Yeah, I mm. I just think what he's done for the Knicks has been really funny. I don't even like the Knicks, but. I love the energy with which he's played and, you know, I've always kind of liked Julius Randle and he always kind of had that talent. You know, he had a really good year in New Orleans uh, after they traded, after they got rid of Boogie and he's just really developed every year of his career, gotten a little bit better and he's, he's really taken a big leap this season. So that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, six man of the year? I think they just announced this today, though. So oh, did they? Who won? They Jordan Clarkson beat out Joe Ingles. Oh, good. That's that's my that was my guess. I gotta go. With, I gotta roll with former Eastern Conference champion Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would have gone Jingles. Honestly, I would have gone Jingles. So, but I, uh, so I think he stole it. So uh, yeah, it's a one A and a one B for sure. True, true. Um, what about uh, rookie of the year, Eli? Man, this is tough because Lamelo did miss a lot of time. Yeah, but at the same time, the Hornets did make the play in, which I think you kind of have to reward, even though it is the the Eastern Conference uh, <laughs> this year. Um, so I think I'll give it to. Lamelo. Okay, what about you, Chris? And, yeah, yeah, I'm Lamelo all the way, no question. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I know Ant, Ant, Anthony Edwards balled out at the end of the year, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Ant, um, just because with a one B being Ty Halliburton, um, who is yeah. the guy? I'm like, man, if the Cavs had drafted, him. although I love Okoro, and I think ultimately. If Okoro shows us more what he showed us at the end of the season, could end up being a better pro than Halliburton. But I also think Halliburton's going to be in the league like 13 years. So mm-hmm. I love um, Halliburton too, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to – I don't even think there's a guy – I mean, it's Rudy Gobert. What he did Actually, in the Actually, I've, I've got defense. a different one. I'm, I'm all aboard Matisse Tybal. I think I think he deserves it. Yeah, my problem with Tybal is he comes off the bench, 
And True. it's a lot easier to put up those numbers if you don't have to worry about fouling out. Um, and, and I just think, yeah, I just think the fact that he brought both to, I think that he brought the fact that he can bring both the shot blocking and the steals. Hey, he's the stocks king. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so. Stonks. He's taking that defense. To <laughs> so. Yeah. What about you, Eli? Uh, it's definitely Gobert, but I think my one player that I think is getting really overlooked this season, and he has, I think, completely on uh, kind of both sides of his improvement, is Ben Simmons. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of Sixers basketball, to be completely honest, but just I watched a little bit of the playoff game and just the fact that he was just – he could guard their point guard like the whole game. And I was just wildly impressed and didn't even realize how big he was until like watching uh, watching him just you know take out Kemba, watching him take out Smart, and I'm just like, this guy is so good and long and athletic, and I think he really did go under the radar this season. Um, yeah, I'll uh, give my so one B. There is Dylan Brooks, who I've just been so impressed with defensively. Um, at the way he played Curry, even though Curry scored a boatload of points, he made him work his butt off. It reminded me a lot of the way Delhi played Curry in the 2015 finals. Uh, coach of the year, Eli. Oh, I'll, I'll go with, um, I'll go with Quinn Snyder. I, I know that's probably the easy pick because they were the best record in the league, but you know, his team really didn't change that much personnel-wise, I thought, from last year. And they obviously improved quite considerably. So I'll give it to Quinn Snyder this year. Uh, what about you, Chris? Um, I think I got to go Monty Williams. Um, they made the leap. So I, 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 with a hat tip to Thibodeau. Um, yeah. the, the, it's really tough to pick between those two, but you know, now that I'm uh, now that I'm under the gun, I gotta say Monty. Yeah, I mean, there's so many deserving candidates this year. I'm gonna go with. Um, I really think the guy I'm gonna go with is Nate McMillan, who's Ooh. not even a head coach, but That's a great one. <laughs> literally took over for Lloyd Pierce and uh, their record under Nate McMillan's been pretty incredible. Um, and really turned that team into kind of an also ran. And I, I am just in love with Nate Millen's FU to the Pacers, who after, after they let him go after a ridiculous, um, a ridiculous firing after the bubble last year. And then they hired Nate Bajorkin or whatever his name is who is an abject disaster, you know, and now Nate McMillan's going to get probably a big contract from the Hawks. Um, I'm just super excited to see it. So, you know, part of it is just an FU to the Pacers, who I thought that was one of the most – it was the most ridiculous firing I'd seen in the NBA since the Pelicans fired Monty Williams, who's my 1B for Coach of the Year. So so I love to see – those African-American head coaches getting their due and, um, you know, getting all the respect in the world. I'm, I'm super excited to see that. So I'm loving it. Uh, and finally MVP, Chris. Uh, it's gotta be Jokic. It's gotta be Jokic. I mean, where would they be without him? 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think he's the best player in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Eli, are you gonna are you gonna stand Steph? No, I uh, <laughs> I'll go with Yosh too. I gotta give the big man love, man. I uh, I, I try to play like Jokic in that Korean league. So. Oh yeah, you point forward or point <laughs> center, huh? Yeah, the stretch mark five, baby. <laughs> Running those hook, throwing those hook passes out of the post out to the wing, yeah. huh? Oh my yeah. god! I, I saw finishing and and rim protection too in those highlights. Uh, like, yeah. You put the whole package together. Yeah, so. I I love I love Jokic, and he's super fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I and I honestly I'll give a one B to Russell Westbrook, who Ooh. just kind of that's spicy. He's probably the MVP of the second half of the season. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, he single-handedly almost willed. I mean, obviously, Brad Beal, big part of it. But <clears throat> he became a guy, an empty stats guy, almost like the empty triple-double guy. And now he's a guy who's just so pivotal to that team's success. It's been super fun to watch. Yeah, yeah um, it's cool. Yeah. I've always been a big Russell. I just like the way he competes. Yeah, yeah I, I do, too. I love competitors. Yeah, me too. And I like how he just keeps having comeback after comeback in kind of every single role he's in. And, you know, big co- comeback from COVID. I think his COVID recovery was really underrated of I didn't how realize much it was a- affecting Damn. his game. Oh, well, it that's part of the reason he was so bad in the playoffs the last year is he was still coming back from it. And they say he never wow. really got his groove oh, back right. until oh, towards the second half of this season. So, Oh, my goodness. Good for them. Heck yeah. 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 No, I'm, I'm thrilled. So, and I think the NBA as a whole, I think, you know, I did a big Twitter thing the other day just thinking what an awesome job the NBA did this year. And the players, for the most part, just been absolute pros. Um, they put out a great product. Uh, the players are, you know, by and large, pretty solid guys. And I've been just really impressed with the NBA in general, so you know, well done, NBA. Oh, oh, there's another one, GM of the year. Who's your Who's your GM of the year, Eli? Oh man, um, how could it not be? Um, I would like to think it has to be the Nets GM, right? Uh, Whoever that is, yeah, Marcus. Who? Because he he landed Harden without giving up much. I mean, four first round picks or whatever it's really not anything if you're going to pick 30 yeah. every year so Ugh, that um, makes me wonder. and then also you didn't have to give up you know everybody you kept joe harris you kept dinwiddie even though he's hurt you get the flexibility of using his contract next year possibly so i think you have to have to give it to marks even though i'm sure a lot of people hate him right now in the league. <laughs> <laughs> what about you yeah, I'm. I'm same. I'm with Eli. It's. It's. I mean, that was the guy to get this year, and they made it happen. And not only that, the the only two teams that, the only two teams that were probably in in the market for Harden were Philadelphia and um, Miami. And so they not only did they get them, but they prevented two of their prime uh, opponents, especially Philly, from getting it because it sounded like. I mean. Sounded like Philly had by far the best package to 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 give uh, Houston, and I guess the the Maury hate was uh, 
the more, I guess they wish they hired a different. I guess Philly wished they hired a different GM than Daryl Morey because it prevented them from getting hardened. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I got it. I, it begrudgingly, Sean Marks. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Memphis GM, and I can't even figure out who it is. <laughs> I think it might be Tayshawn Prince, but I'm I'm really baffled by this uh, by this Zach Kleeman. <laughs> Zach Kleeman is there? Is it GM. okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with Memphis. I just think they've done an amazing job of building that team, and they're really set up for the future, and just so many great draft picks. So that that's who I'm going with. Mm-hmm. And so that was good. Um, and, and I feel like we so NBA projection. I'm not going to predict all these. Who come? I mean, I feel like both sides are wide open this year. I feel like anybody could come out of the West almost, and then the East. There's probably four teams. I mean, I could even see Boston getting hot and coming out, even cause, mainly because the East is so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. who who you got coming out of the East and West, Eli? Um, I think it's definitely the Nets in the East and in the West. I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the, the Lakers. Oh, you think? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like you, people are picking teams that may not even make it out of the first round. <laughs> I know. But that's, that's how wide open it is, right? Yeah. Like, right. No, yeah, no it's yeah. the, the beauty year. of the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, I I don't think that almost any team in the league you can almost say has a legit path to the finals in the East, except maybe Memphis. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I I can't remember. I don't think there's ever been a season where you know the seven through one seed in the West has a legit like if things broke right they can make the finals. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, whoever wins the Clippers Mavs series gets to play Utah, and I think that's actually an easier matchup than playing like Phoenix or LA. Or yeah, uh, Utah's got to get their mojo back a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I like that breaks right, even though theoretically a four five seed is pretty tough, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about you, Chris? I and we won't pick a winner yet, but sure. It's uh, I've uh, I mean, I was originally Nets. Jazz as a, as a kind of a troll um, all year, uh, but uh, I think uh, it'll be. I, I mean, it's the the smart money in my opinion was uh, Nets Clippers. Yeah. So, um, but uh, but um, as a the hot take that I have is what I really wanted to say was Buck Suns <laughs> would be. The Buck Suns would be the all time like that's that's like what I'm actually hoping for. So, well, I'm I'm hoping for the Bucks, but I just don't trust playoff Bud, and it, it probably will be the Nets, and I'll probably be annoyed because um, <laughs> I, I really dislike that team. But um, although it is, I I will say it is fun like to watch that Net Celtics series because there's so many former Cavs in it. Um, <laughs> You know, between Jeff Green and Kyrie and Tristan Thompson and, uh, oh, God, there was one more, and I can't even remember who it was. Well, Joe Harris. Joe Harris, smoking yeah. Joe, choking Joe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, he's not the same player he was with the Cavs, so. No. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, and then in the West, um, 
I'm going to say Denver just because I think Denver is the best team. So, wow. 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 Without Jamal Murray, too, though. Without that's, Jamal Murray. I almost think tough. it's like they rally. I wow. think if they're smart, they'll start playing bigger um, and just run Jokic at the point guard all the time. <laughs> I mean, they essentially do. I mean, that's Well, kind they're of starting Campazzo yeah. tonight. So okay. he's a shrimp. Well, I mean, but Campazzo is the perfect point guard to play next to Jokic because he doesn't need the ball to be. I mean, he'll, he doesn't need the ball to be effective and, and, and make secondary plays. So, so uh, I know we're getting long in the tooth here. You guys got anything to pitch? Uh, any any uh, gripes, fun stories, uh, things you need to get off your chest, confessions, anything like that? <laughs> Chris? Uh no, I actually all I have is a shout out to the NBA group chat because they're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be sending them the podcast and they all wanted to listen so I'll shout them out uh, the NBA Twitter uh, NBA Twitter chat we we actually it's it's actually called fraud ball chat oh, so okay. and and the and the gig is who are the frauds oh, and Yep, who are the fraud teams in the NBA? So we've been having some fun with uh, Utah. Oh, I'm sure. And the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was a riot. That was an absolute riot. And then oh, Lakers, and t- they're turning the barrel. Clippers, you name oh, it. Oh, well, we, how about we, LeBron rolling on around oh, the my floor goodness. for two minutes Jeez. last night? Oh, I mean, goodness. give me a break. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it seems like it's gotten particularly worse this past, like over the past yeah. month. With it. Oh, and then what about him? What about him? The protocols that he broke, yeah. and then they're going to let him play. Well, now you he's saying, I mean? "Yeah, I've been vaccinated the whole time." <laughs> oh, he did say that. Did well, he? I think there was a statement today, and somebody I read some. I didn't read the oh. statement, but the, the Twitter was basically, "Yeah, this is just pretty much LeBron saying he's vaccinated." So don't. Oh, worry. I see. Yeah. Well, and that was spec. That was the speculation that I had heard was that I had heard speculation that he was like one of the first people to get the vaccination and he just didn't want it to leak. So, yeah, um, I I get annoyed with LeBron as this great speaker for justice and social improvement, as long as it doesn't hurt his bottom line. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely because I was just having a conversation, uh, you know, that was a big miss, like not stick enough for Daryl Morey to say what he wants. Oh, well, you know, thinks Daryl Morey sold him out by, Tweeting that when they were overseas and was worried the Chinese were going to take them hostage or oh, whatever. Oh, good but, God. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my gripe. But that shout out to shout out to Fraud Ball Chat. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Eli, anything to pitch? Uh, yeah, actually, in my, um, my brother's actually getting married this weekend. So, oh, congratulations. Uh, oh, what's your brother's shout name? Shout out to Ezra. Uh, Ezra we have Kim. names. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, now so you're are. the brother who's better than Ezra, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible That's joke. actually funny. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, was pretty. I thought that was pretty good. I, that was a good dad yeah. joke there. Uh, <laughs> great, uh, great band. I'm I'm old enough to know who they are too. So it's, yeah, oh, wow, there we go. There we wow. go. Yeah, yeah. So you know, um, I you, you work that I, into your toast somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God! I do have to work on my uh, speech a little bit. Are you here, best so. man? I am. Awesome. That's so. a lot of fun. You ever you ever been a best man before? I have not. So oh. that was my first one. I'm the best well, man. I've been work on that speech but... early because I waited way too long, 
And now there's like pictures of me writing out the speech on cocktail napkins, like at my brother's reception. So, yeah, I, I have a bullet point list that I'm like, oh, I'll just speak from the heart. Eli up like there with a points. with a PowerPoint. He's <laughs> wow, got some uh, sweet animations in that thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. My brother is uh, he's younger than me, but beating me to uh, the. The joys of marriage. So good for him. Yeah. Is That's your awesome. sister playing golf, Eli? Yes. So my sister actually uh, is gets another year of eligibility, so she gets a fifth year of golf, nice. and she actually decided she committed to stay at the same school, Ball State. Oh um, wow! So. She she plays Division One golf. Yeah, testicle year. Yeah. So wow! Um, <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! I'm a I'm a huge golf nerd. I love golf. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so I'm uh, I'm trying to get back into it. I tell everyone. Oh, I'm a terrible. I'm a golfer. better. Co- I'm a better coach than player, and she's the proof of that. But ooh, there you go. <laughs> that's actually not true at all. I didn't teach her anything. Yeah, I know. I you, you were you thought about getting you were if she heard this, you would be in trouble. <laughs> oh, she'd be very disappointed. <laughs> but she'll never hear this anyway. So. Um, Even I will if she listened one... to this podcast, she would never get to the 105th minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, um, if there is something we talk about, there's this new video game. I guess I'll throw this as kind of a shout out too. So there's, it's not that new, but PGA Tour 2K21 is this, the most recent golf game. Okay. Due to licensing now, like you can't play with any of the players. You have to play as like a created player. Oh, that's just because like I think I think the rights were like too expensive to get tour players on there. Huh. Okay. So, but um, the game is actually like super realistic. You think it'd be cheaper now because they don't have to pay Tiger. Yeah. Because it always (laughs) used to be Tiger Woods PGA Tour. Yeah. Anyway. But it's a super realistic game. Like, you have to know pitch, and, like, you have to know, like, when your club is lower than you, which way does the ball go? Because, like, it naturally would go that way in the game, too. Like, it's oh, ultra-realistic. So cool. Oh, yeah. And what did you say it was? A PG, uh, PGA it was 2K. PGA 2K21. 2K21. Okay. 2K21. Uh, Sega? No, it's on uh Or 2K Sports, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So... The funny thing is, I actually beat my sister consistently in that game because I had the knowledge <laughs> of how to golf. I just oh, didn't have the actual physical abilities uh, to hit it where I wanted. Somebody to call Eli's sister and give yep. her pointers because we need. To, she needs to win, and we need to rub this in. <laughs> this is horrible. That's awesome. Uh, so my uh, pitch is for a beer. It is uh, three Floyds, which is. Still consistently one of the best breweries in the country, and you pay for it with $14 six-packs. But um, this six-pack is called Center Square Peach Berliner Weiss, and it's a peach sour, and it's amazing. Oh. And it's really good. It's Ooh, one of the I best do love peach sour that I've I had. So that, Ooh, that's my... You got me thirsty, the, man. You got me thirsty over there. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little concerned how how into that you were. Is oh, uh, that was me? Is this the, oh, no, no, that was yeah. That was, is uh is this the Chris, Floyd's I mean, in like Indiana? Three Floyd's is in Munster, Indiana, which is actually just over the border from Illinois. So it's a Chicago suburb, yeah, really close to Gary, right? Um, closer to Chicago than Gary. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Um. So I believe that is a good beer. Uh, 
good brewing company. Definitely yeah, their stuff. Okay. Yeah, they make good stuff. So that's what I'm pitching this round, and uh, I don't have too much else. So uh, unless you guys got anything else, uh, we're gonna sign off and hopefully uh, talk to you after the Cavs win some sweet coin flip action. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Chris, come on, say it. Go Cavs. Say the line, Chris. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers.